IBC Talk, the Insurance Business Canada podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of IBC Talk, the Insurance Business Canada podcast. I'm Serena Nath, news editor at Insurance Business, and today I'm sitting down with Luke Prominsky, mental health advocate and managing partner at Billiard Insurance Group. Luke, thanks so much for coming on the pod today. Welcome to IBC Talk. No, thanks for having me, Serena. I, uh, I'm really excited to to finally have a platform that I can speak openly about uh, about some of the struggles that I've went through and, and kind of dive deep into the mental health talk. Absolutely. I think it's a very important conversation um, just around breaking the stigma about mental health. And I think it's going to be very valuable for our listeners. Um, But before we dive into any of that, did you want to maybe give our listeners a bit about your background and your journey and what kind of drove you towards the industry in the first place? Um, It's a very good question. Truthfully, like, I had a pretty severe drug addiction, I guess it's going back 10, 11 years now. And uh, once I kind of went through recovery, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, I kind of always knew that I wanted to be in sales and in some sort. And um, I ended up enrolling in the general business program at Mohawk College. And I we had what's called a a meet the grad night. So previous graduates of Mohawk college. And, um, there was a gentleman that spoke there who was an insurance brokerage owner. And, um, after his little 10 minute speech, I I kind of decided that insurance was the way for me to go. Um, or so just because it's always going to be a necessity for people. And I know it's in a sense, recession proof. Um, so I enrolled in the insurance program, um, at Mohawk college, I completed that program. I went through an 18 month fast track. So like 18 months of straight school, no break throughout the summer. Um, and then once that was done, I immediately knew I was going to go into the, into the broker channel, um, right, right out of school. That was kind of my day one. I'm going to the broker channel and that's it. I never really considered the company side. Um, so I started out in the broker channel. I worked at two different brokerages, um, early on in my career, uh, both of them kind of, uh, an old school brokerage, uh, very paper-based and, uh, I didn't really learn too much truth be told at those brokerages. I mean, I, you can ask as many questions as you want, but it just, um, neither of those brokerages were really good fits for me just because, I was able to learn a lot about the company manuals. I was able to learn a lot about the companies themselves, but I never really got any hands-on training when it came to the job itself and, you know, really, really where to get started. Um, then after that, uh, that, that wasn't working out too well for me. So I decided to go down uh, and kind of get into a direct writing role, still in sales. And you know, the, the one really good thing about the direct channel and these big corporations is um, the training is second to none. You know, they, 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 they send you to a week-long training program. You really get to dive deep into every single part of the insurance sales process, including the service side. And uh, that, that was really pivotal for me because I already had the, the, the background knowledge and, and the manuals and the companies and um, it, it'll, it really allowed me to kind of complete my, my realm of training there. 
And um, from then on, it was it was really no looking back. I became uh, very successful in a sales role in the direct channel. Um, I was working in the direct channel for two, two and a bit years. And then it became, once I knew I was good in sales, it really became uh, a, a daily thought of mine. It, it, you know, the constant worry that I'm putting in 150% every single day and I, I really have nothing to show for it. Um, and that could be pretty crippling to somebody who gives their all every second of every day. Um, and in turn, it became pretty crippling for me. So when I had no ownership of my book, no renewals, and like I built up a multi-million dollar book. So it was pretty difficult to know that I was surviving solely on new business sales. And, and it was pretty difficult to live with that. Um, so at that point, me and my then partners, um, we decided to make a change and I'll leave the direct channel and look to open a brokerage. Um, and with that, we, we, we kind of looked into going the independent route, but then we realized very quickly that it was very expensive. It was very difficult to get contracts with carriers. And uh, we also had a lack of licensing. Um, both pre well, all three of us previously OTL license, we didn't have a principal broker. So we decided to start looking externally into branch opportunities with already existing brokers. Um, and throughout that process, uh, we kind of interviewed and had the conversations with about three different brokerages. Um, and then I mentioned it in a conversation to a friend of mine, Braden King, who is now the managing partner of the, the Billiard Stony Creek office. Um, and he was working for Stephen Billiard at the time at the uh, Billiard Insurance Group head office there. And uh, within about 24 hours, Stephen Billiard gave me a call and he asked to sit down. And we, it was just the Welland office at that point in time. And uh, there was no massive billiard company at that point in time. It was just Steve and his office there in Welland. And um, we had a meeting with Steve uh, that weekend, uh, myself and my partners. And it was really kind of love at first sight mm -hmm. per se, you know, when it, we fell in love with Steve's vision of, of where the company was going to go. And how big he wanted to grow it. And, you know, everything kind of looking back now was, was spot on in regards to the growth. So yeah, it was really a love and first sight with, with billiard insurance. And um, I haven't really looked back since. That's, that's fantastic. It's such an admirable career development that you've had. And yes, you said that there might've been some setbacks where the drive wasn't necessarily there, but it seems like you found your meant to be organic partner, um, which is amazing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it really worked out pretty well. And so you've just been very open on social media from what I've seen about your personal battles with mental health. And you did bring up at the beginning of your career journey that you did struggle with addiction. Could you maybe speak to some of the major challenges that you've overcome prior to developing your career? Yeah, I mean, well, I guess starting it off, the addiction was kind of... Well, it was one of the hardest parts of my life, but I mean, looking back now, it was, uh, 
as bad as it may sound, it was one of the most beneficial things that I ever that I ever went through because I learned a lot about myself in the process and that having that addiction and recovering from that addiction, it really allowed me to um, learn about myself and, and really understand what growth means. Um, like I, after that addiction, I, I, I really had to rebuild my life. And, and that's not something that a lot of people um, learn at, kind of a, as an adolescent or as a teen about addiction. I mean, we all kind of hear about it through classes that we take in high school or whatever it may be. But one thing that they never teach you about addiction is that you essentially have to restart your life. You have to cut ties with all of your friends. You have to um, really isolate yourself to the point where you can have a new beginning. Um, So uh, I've been very open about this as well. Like 2010, 2011, I, I can't even remember truthfully um, the exact timing now has been quite some time, but, um, yeah, I really had to start fresh and it's been a very eye opening experience from then to now, just to see all of the improvement that I made. And I can look back now and be very proud of myself about, um, all of the things that I've overcome. And that's an incredible lens to take on addiction where you, look at it as something that has helped you towards growth and Um, Mm self-discovery. And when you were touching on um, just hitting the restart button after that you had to cut ties with a lot of these, um, a lot of people in your past that might lead to triggers or anything like that. um, What were kind of the biggest sources of support for yourself in your recovery journey? Well, it was definitely my family. Um, My family, number one, they, always had faith that I would be able to recover. But um, as many people who have lived with an addiction know, you really have to make the choice of recovery for yourself. I mean, it's easy to see it from an outside lens that, you know, everyone can get better, everyone should get better. But at the end of the day, it's the decision has to come from the person living with the, the addiction themselves. Um, but my family was definitely supportive throughout my recovery process. I mean, mind you, the first couple of weeks were, um, challenging for, for everyone where I had to really isolate myself in a basement for a couple of weeks just to get over, um, all of the withdrawals and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But, um, they've been very supportive throughout the whole process. And, um, yeah, I mean, having a a family that you can have open conversations with is huge. And I've advised um, people on this as well. Uh, People have reached out on LinkedIn or through other social media platforms. When I told my story is, um, you know, you can't treat the person living with an addiction or in recovery from an addiction um, as someone who needs constant uh, check-ins and talk about the addiction and, and stuff like that. They just need to be able to have open and vulnerable conversations with somebody when triggers do occur. So you can really talk it out. So my family and I, we, we really had a, um, a no limit conversation on what could be talked about. And it really allowed me to have a safe place for my recovery where I didn't have to hold back 
from anything. And um, that was super beneficial for me. And I'm wondering, were you always, because you're clearly very um, comfortable being uh, opened and communicative about uh, your addiction and your recovery process, has it always been that way? No, definitely not. Um, it, it, it took me quite some time to actually come out with my story of the addiction that I lived with. Um, you know, I, I really wanted to start my career and kind of hit the ground running. But again, the, the stigma that's associated with addiction, um, it, it really held me back from being as open as I wanted to be. Um, I did not want to start a new career in a professional capacity and be judged in any way for past decisions that I made. Um, so it was only, I guess, it would have been since last April, I guess, shortly after my dad passed away, um, is when I really realized that, you know, that this could be beneficial for more people other than myself. And uh, I finally gave in to the stigma and I, I just started doing what I felt was right and started being open about my story. And I'm very sorry to hear about your dad, but I'm sure he would be incredibly Thanks. proud to see um, all of the accomplishments that you've had since, um, like, just throughout the last couple of years, you have co-founded the Stigma Company um, yeah. and uh, kind of been on a journey with trying to break the stigma and maybe even carry on that no limit conversation that you learned from your family to um, to an organization that really creates a platform for people to be open and vulnerable about mental health. Um, yeah. And I was wondering if you could speak to a little bit about just the stigma company in that journey and what the mission of the company really is. Yeah, of course. Uh, I, um, I wanted to, well, since I got clean from, from drugs, uh, I always really wanted to, you know, start something that helped other people or, or helped people who may have been walking a similar path as myself. Um, and it, I remember having a conversation with my mom back in, I guess it was 2012, where I wanted to, you know, create something similar to Kids Help Phone, where, you know, youth or adolescents or teens who are struggling with addiction or, or, or um, something along those lines could have an avenue to reach out to just to have a conversation with somebody who was um, walking or has walked a, a similar path and, and not necessarily a therapist who may be 20, 25 years your elder who, who wouldn't really get it. Mm -hmm. um, but that got put on kind of hold because I wanted to build up my career in insurance. I really wanted to, you know, have a career. So that essentially came first to me. And um, throughout my addiction to now, I, I've struggled with some mental health issues myself and, um, again, lost to the stigma associated with mental health. And, um, I went through an eight month, uh, pretty bad depression cycle, I guess, shortly after the pandemic hit and, um, the self stigma that I associated with mental health concerns is really what held me back from, from getting the help that I needed. And I felt again, 20, the vision or the uh, vision is 2020 in hindsight, but um, 
looking back at, at that experience, uh, I kind of said to myself, like, what if I had an avenue to turn to again with like, like-minded people who were sharing their story, I may have gotten help sooner. So my sister who has also had some mental health concerns, um, in the past couple of years, uh, we decided to, to just start the stigma company to give people an avenue, uh, to turn to, or maybe share their story, whether anonymous or named, um, maybe somebody who doesn't necessarily want to go and seek professional help at this point in time, or maybe somebody that doesn't have anyone to talk to, um, just an avenue to either write or just share their story about what they're going through in turn, allowing them to help themselves and possibly other people along the way. That's incredible. And I think that it's, it's very cool that you got to start this company with your sister um, and your family clearly has very good communication with each other. Um, and so uh, how has it been just trying to uh, foster conversations on the stigma, uh, through the stigma company? And um, can you speak to the importance of just sharing stories about struggles with mental health, whether it be addiction or depression and how that really helps other people um, find a level of support and comfort for their own recovery and reaching out to resources that they need. Yeah. I, I mean, I can speak on the second part of that question first. It, it, I think it's very important that everyone be vulnerable in a sense and share their story only because by sharing their story, you're really able to, to help yourself. And, and I find personally with writing, I, I, ever since I started therapy, I, I really started writing and through my writing, I was able to really learn a lot about myself. Um, my writing allowed me to be more self-aware with, with certain triggers in my life that would affect my mental health. And uh, I think that in turn would help a lot more people be able to find the same triggers in their own lives. And having it on a public platform, you're allowing other people to really see that there are other people who are living with these same battles on a daily basis. Right. And, and, and that's in really any capacity, any walk of life. And it could be, I've had somebody reach out to me that's 76 years old and, and she's lived with bipolar disorder for her whole life. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's really nice to, to see people reaching out who are willing to share their story in turn, helping other people. So, um, going back to kind of the first part of that question there, um, I've had a lot of great feedback, uh, in regards to, um, having a community blog. I've had many people reach out and let me know that they want to take part in it. Um, and again, that's from all walks of life. It could be a 25 year old male, or it could be, uh, like I said, a 76 year old female. And it, it's really humbling for me to know that people want to share to help other people in the process. And you said it perfectly. The word community is the thing that really sticks out to me when it comes to this platform um, and creating that. And I think it's fantastic that everyone from all walks of life, they don't feel like, um, 
they have they don't have a space to share their story or communicate about um, shared experiences that could really help um, boost each other up at the end of the day. Right, right, and yeah, it, like for me, it, it's a, almost like just letting other people know that you're not alone. Right. Like there are so many people and statistically, I mean, statistics don't really lie when it comes to people living with mental health concerns. I mean, one in five of us in any given year are going to either, either suffer some sort of mental health concern, mental illness or addiction. And, um, having a, a space where, where you can share and knowing that other people are reading gives me hope that, you know, more people will share, more people will help people. And it it will kind of just be this never ending cycle. I mean, at the end of the day, that's my goal, but we'll see how that goes. Oh, no doubt that that goal will be reached very soon. And I think that uh, you also brought up, there was a stigma around mental health, but also a stigma around therapy sometimes. Um, And I think that's especially maybe for older demographics, which is why it's amazing you've made a platform where someone at the age of 76 that might not be comfortable with therapy is coming um, to a community that is able to talk about the benefits that it can bring. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And I mean, I'm a huge believer in therapy. I'm a huge advocate for therapy. I mean, there are many other avenues. Therapy can get quite expensive if you don't have coverage for it. Um, but, but I find therapy is, has been a massive help in my life and could be a massive help in other people's lives. And I, I mean, you don't have to be diagnosed with, with the mental illness or you don't have to have mental health concerns to go see a therapist. I mean, for one hour a week or one hour a month, you have a 100% unbiased approach to your life. And, you know, you get to just talk about you. Um, So I think that could be be very beneficial for everyone, regardless of the situation that you're going through. I agree. I'm also a big advocate for everyone in my life to uh, go to therapy because, as you said, it's that unbiased opinion and it's just a conversation focused on yourself. So you don't have to feel maybe that um, the the awkwardness that some people don't like to talk about themselves too much. And that's just taken off the table. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's fantastic. Thanks. And so I just wanted to touch on, I saw that the stigma company has an affiliation with the cam H foundation. That is also very near and dear to my heart. Could you speak to how that, uh, came about and what that partnership means? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, cam H is an amazing organization. I mean, um, I've had, well, even myself, myself, and I've had a lot of people who have used, um, Cam H's arms of support, wh- whether it be through therapy or the programs that they offer, um, in their lives. And, you know, I, I really saw throughout the pandemic, especially that, well, I mean, I, there's three people that I know not directly, but it could, could have been a sibling of of somebody I went to high school with, or another case is a mom of an old friend of mine. Um, but they've either lost their battle to addiction or their mental health. Um, and you know, I, with the CAMH foundation, having an avenue to really do our part and just try and, um, just try and get, 
funds to them so they can do what they do best um, through research and support and treatment for people with mental health. Um, Hopefully that will assist others in not losing um, their battles to addiction or mental illness or mental health concerns. And um, yeah, it's it's a foundation that's near and dear to my heart as well. Helped change my life help change a couple other people's lives in my life. And um, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of those organizations that, that can definitely use funds. Um, as we all know that the, the mental health um, in general is very underfunded on a public scale <laughs> by the government. So, you know, any, anything helps when it comes to um, doing our part to support organizations that support research and treatment for people like us. And you were definitely a very large part and a great example of an industry leader that is working towards um, that goal. And it's, I, I said it before, but very admir- admirable development and growth from yourself. Um, and I'm wondering, do you have any other initiatives that you think could be brought forward just to help break the stigma around addiction, mental health, or therapy? Um, well, I, I don't really think there's anything like any big initiatives. Um, but I think if all of us do our part and have the conversations when we are suffering or when we are going through these challenges in life, that I think that alone can change the world. And I may, may sound naive by saying that, but, um, not at all, you know, it, Yeah. Well, it's the little things, right? Like you got to think if I'm in an office of 25 people and I'm open about my mental health and I in turn have conversations with five people on my team who are also struggling with their mental health, that has now opened the door through my conversation to help them. And in turn, they have received help because we had the conversation. And if we can do that on a small scale, we can also do it on a large scale. And that kind of initiative is what led us to the stigma company where we can have uh, somewhere where people can turn to and really start the conversations. Um, so I, I think conversations play a massive part in changing the world when it comes to the stigma around mental health and addiction. And secondly, um, I'm not trying to tell anyone how to parent their, their, their children, but I think, (laughs) having the conversations early enough with your children will be able to hopefully allow the next generation to take control of the stigma associated with mental health. I mean, the generation that we live in, some of our parents or our our uncles or family members or grandparents, you know, they were, I guess I can say this, like, a man's man, like my grandpa, for example, he was a man's man. So, you know, therapy was bad. Talking about your emotions was bad and and stuff like that. But in turn passed through generations through my parents and now to me and now to my daughter, we can, we're taking one step at a time. So I think, I, I think going back to parenting, have the conversations with your young ones about mental health when they're ready to. And the next generation of us will uh, hopefully be able to wipe the stigma associated with mental health completely out. 
I 100% agree. And I think uh, even not even having conversations with the young ones just about mental health, just about having open lines of communication more than before. So when if there is some struggle that a child is going through, they won't be hesitant to really connect with their parents and be open about what's going on. Exactly, exactly. And you know, I my daughter's three and a half. And She's had some tough days in the morning when she, you know, for a three and a half year old where she's just very emotional. And, you know, we called it a day right then and there. We decided to go have ice cream or go sit on a beach or go for a walk or go for a hike. And, you know, allowing my daughter to understand that it's okay to have days like that is very important for me. Um, and, and like you said, having the the open lines of, of communication. Yeah, absolutely. And just to to make it more uh, on a global scale, do you think that social media, I know sometimes there is a lot of negative association when it comes to mental health and social media and how it impacts um, just, let's say, teenagers and whatnot. But can you speak to the benefits that it has to spread this conversation and awareness around? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I can even speak from my own experience. It's, it's been, very rewarding for me personally to share my story on social media. Um, I've had hundreds of people reach out to me across various platforms, whether it be LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook, when I was finally comfortable to share my story. And you'd be so surprised how many people are relatable to your story. And um, I already know that I touched some lives when it, when it, when it comes to talking about mental health and, and my previous addiction. And um, I think that while social media has its um, negative sides, there are massive positive sides to it because, you know, we as professionals or we as young people, we are constantly on social media, one platform or another platform. So I, I, I think that if people are posting more frequently about some of the real world struggles that they're facing. I think that social media could be used as a huge beneficial tool. Um, again, just to, to, just to break the stigma around mental health. I definitely agree. And it's an important discussion to have regardless of what industry you're in, what uh, point of life you're in and social media really helps us connect all together. No, for sure. For sure. Luke, it's been so lovely chatting with you today. Thank you for your insights and your honesty. You've given our listeners so much to think about. No, thank you again for having me. This is something that I'm very passionate about and something that I'm very open about. So so I'm really glad to help and try and do my part. And that wraps up another episode of IBC Talk. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in. I'm Serena Nath, news editor here at Insurance Business. Until next time. Thank you for listening to IB Talk. For the latest episodes, be sure to follow us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts.